Play up! We are not an education podcast. Insert sound effects. With just playing the Paw Patrol intro. I mean, we started some real stinkers in the OI. Sean Alexander, Robin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Jockstrap. As always, I'm here with Jesse Lieberman and Nate Hartman, and stay tuned for later in the show when uh, we are joined by Jim Moore. It was a great chat. Uh, we talked for almost two hours, actually. Which <laughs> will, it will take a long time to cut down all the great moments we have with him, but I'm up for the Well, time. I mean, two of us chatted with him for two hours. Uh, another one of us decided to show up an hour and 40 minutes late. Nate's appearances will be sparse. He, he was not... In for I was, most yeah, of the session. I, I was not there. Sorry, I'm trying to get my endorsement in history, Jesse. I'm so sorry about that. Thank you. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad you apologized to both me and uh, Jim. I know we're making so much money out this podcast, so how dare I, but... Yeah. Speaking of that, donate to us. Um, <laughs> we're going to create a Patreon account. We're going to create a Patreon account for uh, uh, creators. Um, so moving on from that, I... Uh, obviously, most of the news this week is surrounding football. I did have one piece of news that was not football. Um, the head coach of Baylor going to LSU. I know, Nate, you're probably the biggest women's basketball fan of any of us, which is probably a low bar. Uh, <laughs> I, I disagree. I am a Storm fan. I If the Storm are on national television, I will watch them. Not only that, I'm the only one of my friends who follows them on any social media accounts. What did I, well, I don't know what to tell you. Did you know that this happened, though, Jesse? Well, I think I saw it somewhere. <laughs> All right, well, Kim, yeah, Kim Mulkey going to LSU. Nate, do you have any quick thoughts on it before we get into the draft? Um, I just, I mean, she's a hell of a coach. Um, it's kind of a surprising move, but, I mean, we'll see where we go from here. I don't have a ton of insight on, on such a move, but it's always interesting when you see one. I mean, Baylor's a, a damn good program. Um. So I don't know. It's interesting to see what what LSU had that that Baylor didn't. So, isn't she the anti-masker? She she had some she had some mixed views on masks. It was sort of a weird. I think she was trying to give a sort of thoughtful take, and it just came out sounding really ignorant. Given the <laughs> situation, I think is what I would say about. Uh, he is also man. from Tickfall, Louisiana, which is a town of less. Actually, it was called a village. I don't of less than a thousand people. So, you know, probably not a lot of variety in her hometown. Yeah. Growing so up. maybe it's, I mean, maybe the move is partly just heading back home. Yeah. I mean, so that's what that. everyone has been saying. That's yeah. to go back home. Oh, at this press conference where she was taking her mask off and stuff, she did not look great. Um, she would have been better off keeping it on. All right. In other why, news, why, right, we, why are you guys start off the podcast like that? Why? Right before the draft. Aaron Rodgers coming out, or a source close to Aaron Rodgers coming out and saying he does not want to return to the Packers. This mm. doesn't seem terribly surprising, given the way last season ended, but um, yeah. do you guys see anything actually happening, or is he stuck with the Packers? I don't I think see... He's... Go ahead, Jesse. I think he's stuck there. With that contract, hard to move. Yeah. Now, that, uh, now that... The only thing I could see happening, he goes to the Patriots and Mac Jones sits for a couple years behind him. And then he retires or something. That's the only thing I could see happening, which yeah, would be very interesting. It is. It. I don't know. The whole situation is interesting because I don't know. I mean, I know Aaron Rodgers can be a great a prick at times, um, but which maybe is an understatement. But I hang out I'm with big, him over Russell. I'm a big. I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I, I really like Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think he's he, he's a funny guy. Um, great Jeopardy host, but. I mean, realistically, what what did the Packers expect when they draft a trade up to draft a quarterback in the first round last year, and then Aaron Rodgers goes out and shows them he still has it. This is my team. Then they take the ball out of his hands in the playoffs. He's not happy about that. Then they tell him in the offseason, "We're going to trade you." Then they say, "Well, actually, no, we're not going to trade you." They never told him they were going to trade him. That's what I heard. No, that's not true. Mm. Are you sure? Yes. I thought Trey. I thought Trey Wingo said that. Maybe look up Trey Wingo. If if that didn't happen, that's fine. But I, I that's what I thought the timeline of events was that they said they're going to try to move him this off season. And then, but maybe not. I don't want to spread that. But um, 
still, regardless, it's just a terrible situation. But with his contract, they have all the leverage. Uh, it doesn't make any sense for them to trade him. So, And if they would have traded him, it would have been before last night, don't you think? I mean, why not trade him before the first round of this year's draft? Yeah, he was con- ESPN's Trey Wingo Rogers was convinced he'd be shipped off last night. Yeah, he thought he was going to San Francisco, right? Okay, yeah. I thought you meant, like, months ago. Oh, well, so, I thought I saw something about that. But was this really just, like, a power play to force the hand of the Packers that he really thought that the the Packers were going to, like, just be that frightened and they were going to ship him off for the third pick? Because <laughs> so that was a weird strategy. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting theory, actually. I kind of like yeah. that. I can get behind that theory. Should I say that I mean, was from an inside source and start uh, posting everywhere? Yes. <laughs> I think um, I don't know. Yeah, that's it's that's an interesting thought. Definitely could be true. Um, I don't know. It seems like he he says he doesn't want out, but it just seems like everything he does also he wants out. So I don't know. I don't think it's like headed anywhere good, regardless. Yeah. Uh, how long has he been with that team? He was drafted in what, like 2000 and You guys, you guys want to hear a very interesting fact? No quarterback, no quarterback has spent more than 16 years as a Green Bay Packers um, quarterback. Bart Starr, 16 years, 16 seasons. Brett Favre, 16 seasons. Aaron Rodgers just finished up his 16th season. I and mean, that's not particularly surprising. Six, first off, most quarterbacks, don't, most quarterbacks don't play for 16 seasons. No, for sure, yeah. <laughs> And second, secondly, 16 years on one team in any sport in any situation is a long time. Totally. That's what I'm saying. That's crazy. That's three guys, too. That's not even just, like, one, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think this is probably his last year with the Packers. But I think it's just too late at this point for them to move him anywhere else. Um, yeah. I mean, I just think, I, I, I don't know. Were they going to get a better offer than the third overall pick and a bunch of other picks from San Francisco at this time, do you think? Could they still? Probably not. I don't know. No, but they also do. I mean, they run the risk. I, I can't imagine him having a, a year as good as last year. Yeah, MVP, yeah, that's a pretty high standard. And that's so, true. I mean, at, at this age, if you have a regression and you're Wait, it's going to be 38. I mean, no, Brady's proving that you can go forever as quarterback, but yeah, I mean, at that age, you're not going to get a lot of return, I wouldn't think. I love how this broke right before the draft. Like, that was so obviously planned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what did you guys think about the draft? Moving on from Aaron Rodgers, what'd you like, what you didn't not, what did you not like? Wait, I have one thing Andy, I really you missed a, you missed an important piece of news. Piece We're of news. already at like 20 minutes, aren't we? Or 10 minutes? I'm just saying, the one piece of news is that former first round pick Tim Tebow recently worked out for the Jaguars as a tight end. There's Hmm. mutual interest. Weird. I'm really surprised because I thought he was going to be a great Major League Baseball player. That was a great decision by him, and I was sure that was going to work out. Uh, I do not like Tim Tebow. Let's go with the draft. I don't either. Fuck that guy. You said it, Jesse. All right, anyway, to the draft. Jesse, what are your thoughts? Let me just off here. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was I, – I, there wasn't anything particularly surprising, was there? Um, I am happy the uh, Niners took Trey Lance at three. I am not afraid of Trey Lance. Um, and uh, – Is there anyone you would have been afraid of in that spot? Mac Jones. Really? Okay. I just I mean, think I that agree, I, I think Mac Jones is the most pro ready, and I think Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing with a pro ready quarterback like that. I mean, Matt Jones is very Matt Ryan esque, I think, and I think that they would have been a good match together. The, so, I mean, I'm just yeah, I don't know. I it was my biggest thought was the draft took way too long. I mean, it was three hours or something absurd like that. And why was Kings of Leon playing? That was your. That was the most upsetting part of the night for you, Kings of Leon. Well, I mean, it's not like the C. I mean, Alabama drafted six players that was, or had six players drafted in the first round. That was pretty awesome. Five offensive players, most of all time, isn't it? Or tied for most of all time. Yeah, something like that. I mean, Correct. the only. Yeah, the only, the only, the only defensive player I ever thought was really a first round talent was Patrick Sertan. 
So I, I think that was – I mean, Christian Barrymore is good, but I would I, he's more of a second-round guy to me. Um, uh, Gregory Rousseau went after uh, the Miami guy, guy after Jalen Phillips, which I thought was interesting. And frankly, I guess that's kind of what you should expect when you take a season off. So, yeah. and but you know. With how many injury problems Phillips had, I was sort of surprised to see that. Do you think they'd take – the so, yeah, I mean, especially yeah, being so fresh with the year off. Yeah, no, I agree. That was a little surprising. And Gregory Rousseau is the more impressive physical guy. He's also younger. I I was surprised by Phillips being taken over Rousseau. But, you know, again, you take a year off. Like, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Michael Parsons probably could have been fringe top five. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. And, again, he took a year off and – that's that's kind of what happens when you take a season. I mean, it's like you just there's so little tape already of some of these guys, and you're gonna so you know. Um, can I say oh. one thing I don't like? Or Kyle Pitts at four? Is that what you're well, gonna I, say? I, well, now I have two things to go after Alex Scully about. Is it specifically to him? I would never draft a tight end in the top five, and there's a reason no one ever has. I, I just don't get. I mean, and why with a team with. I mean, two, uh, they're two best players by far, wildly old, clearly on the decline. Why do you think a tight end is going to help you? My other you, issue... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just appalled that you were saying Julio Jones was on the decline. He's starting to show some signs of age. He was really banged up a lot last year. He's he, He's been injured a lot lately. Um, and then my other one was I found it hilarious that a week after Dave Gettleman did an interview dispelling the theory that he's never that he refuses to trade down because he never has that he traded down with clearly no plan because they just went with a random Kadarius Tooney from Florida I don't know what they're going to do with a wide receiver after just paying Kenny Galladay 20 million dollars a year for four years I just don't understand. Do you do you think that they overestimated when they traded down that they expected or no when they traded down all the top guys were already off the board, weren't they? Jamar Chase, Waddle, and Smith. Yeah, because they end up going. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Then I have no idea what the hell they were doing. Maybe they just panicked and uh, took the wide receiver. But I mean, you still had Rousseau and the other defensive end, uh, Odafufu and Quiddy Payne were available. So. I don't think you got a single one of those names right, but. <laughs> Quiddy Payne, I think, was right. Thank you. It, it, it's it's pay. Are you sure? Yeah. Well, that's not how they pronounced it on the show. It's definitely not pain. I know that. His D A Y E. Oh yeah, you're right. I was thinking of Duran Payne. I apologize. Yeah, easy mistake. <laughs> Thank um, you. I would say um, one. I agree with Andy. I think Kyle Pitts was the absolute worst decision the Falcons could have made. Their problem is not offense. Their problem is defense. Their defense is garbage has been hot garbage for years. And if you're going to if you're going to buy in and say okay, we're going to give it one last ride with Matt Ryan, you already have Calvin Ridley, you already have Julio Jones, Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst, sure, Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst are not upper echelon guys. But your offense wasn't the problem. You need a defense who can stop somebody. You also need to stop giving up leads late. That's probably a thing as well. But I just don't get Kyle Pitts at four. I mean, just trade back and just see what happens. I mean, someone wanted to come up and get a quarterback or take his take Matt Ryan's replacement and just plan for the future. I don't, Appar- know, I don't know. Apparently, they were trying to trade back for a long time. Like yeah, they, that makes sense. Also, in their defense, any defensive guy taken that high would kind of be a reach. I mean, are you going to take yeah, a cornerback at for four? Sure, for sure. For sure. No, you're right. And that's what I was thinking, too, is like, Sticking at four, if you're going to stick at four, why not take a quarterback? I mean, like, why take a position that you don't expressly need? I get it. Kyle Pitts is supposed to be otherworldly, but they said the same thing about TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant and all these guys. I mean, the best – Eric Ebron, yeah. I mean, like, the number one (laughs) tight end. OJ Howard. Yeah, Kittle and and, um, and Kelsey, they were both drafted in the third round or later, right? I mean, just – yeah, Titan is not a position drafting high. Gronk was second, off. early second round though, and he fell because yeah. of injury concerns. Yeah, but like I, I just feel like yeah, the last few drafts where it's been like, oh, these tight ends are generational. It's like T.J. Hawkinson and Noah Fant and 
it's, they just didn't pan out. Like, uh, TJ Hawkinson's pretty good. Yeah, he's no been injured. Have a discussion about how much time he's wasted of mine in fantasy football. TJ Hawkinson? No, Noah Fan. Oh, I, I don't know. I would give TJ Hawkinson some crap. I mean, he's his second season. That's, you make the Pro Bowl, seven touchdowns, yeah. seven hundred uh, okay. yards there, receiving. But you know what the Lions don't need, Jesse? A premier tight end. They need a lot, <laughs> but they don't need a tight end right now. Yeah, I don't know. I just think there's more. With an offense like Atlanta's, that has not been the problem. I don't think you expressly need I, to add. I agree. I mean, I, I guess unless you are really going to move on from Julio, and then you want a young core of Calvin Ridley and um, Kyle Pitts. Sure. I can maybe see that. Um, the other thing, uh, I do not know how Carolina and Denver passed on Justin Fields. Whatever <laughs> your thoughts are on Justin Fields, um, that's fine. I just don't get how Carolina, whose quarterback is Sam Darnold. Now, they did give up quite a bit for him, but still. And then Denver, whose quarterbacks are Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, which together make still half a quarterback. Um, I, don't, I just, I don't know. That was interesting to me, but good for Was that negative me. towards Drew Locke there from you? Barely. I mean, he's going to come back better than ever this year, so maybe <laughs> he's going to prove everybody wrong. Um fucking love drew lock but uh no i mean uh patrick certain's a good pick as well um i don't know is there any other picks you guys really loved or hated jamar chase to me was kind of like a okay i can kind of see the guy who took a year off i wouldn't yeah uh, if if they hit if they hit on the work for line here with that team last year that's a good point <laughs> I, I, I don't know i guess it makes sense with uh joe burrow and their connection yeah yeah that, that's 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 a fair point i guess i was just and there's it's a long draft. They could still hit on an O lineman here in the start of the second round and third round and whatnot. Um, but it's just like they already had T Higgins and Tyler Boyd who had good years last year. Yeah, those aren't those aren't exactly sexy names though. Yeah, uh, but they get the job done. And, and neither is Penny Sewell is not a sexy name, but well, he is in the way that he's the top tackle on the board. I know, but I think people people drool over skill position players much more than they do tackles that's right? oh definitely but i'm saying yeah, those that's what i yeah. meant by not a sexy okay. name is jamar chase was like the, the name there but hey it, it could really work i mean joe burrow i, I we, we all here love joe burrow and, yeah uh, he's supposed to be he, he looked phenomenal last year yeah so hopefully they hit on o lineman to protect him and and then they're off to the races with those guys so. did the chargers have a first round pick they did yeah they drafted they took Rashawn Slater. Huh. which is a good pick i mean justin herbert was beat up off last year as well yeah, I mean, they had a big hole at left tackle one night. Oh, Slater could be okay, the actually, there was, there was one pick that I really, really hated. And that was the, the Jaguars taking Travis Etienne. Did that make sense to either of you guys? Not really. I mean, they have Jerome Rob- Jerome Robinson, who rushed for 1,000 yards last James year. Robinson. James Robinson. What did I say, Jerome Robinson? Yes. Well, that's a basketball player. Um, <laughs> so I don't know who Jerome Robinson is. <laughs> yeah, you, you wouldn't. He's like a nobody. Um James Robinson, thousand yard rusher. They signed Carlos Hyde, who you know he's not great, but gonna he's gonna be a thousand yard rusher. Yeah, he's a good change of pace back. But you you get Travis Etienne, who some believe was the best running back in the class. Either they'd be wrong. Harris. I was about to say they'd be yes, wrong. Either but... him or not. I'd put Najee Harris first, but a lot of people thought Etienne was number one. And then then Urban Meyer comes out and is like, he's gonna be our third down back. So why'd you why'd you spend a first round pick when there were other needs on your defenses in shambles? When you need other positions, you take a guy who you're just going to relegate to third down back role. I don't know. That didn't make much sense to me at all. No, I, I would agree with you. And, I mean, what? Was Rousseau still on the board at that point? And yes. Rousseau went yeah. 30 to the Bills, right? Yes. Yeah. So, and, and, and so, you know, like you guys said, there's, you know, he's he's decent, right? Back, the, back end of the first round guy. Travis e- him. And Travis Etienne especially, to me, does not have, like, all pro potential like to, he has i think he has a very high floor but he also i think has kind of a low ceiling like don't you think just watching it he just seems like kind of an average like a good average running back he seems like a guy who's gonna be in the league for a while and will be a decent running back but he doesn't seem like a star to me yeah that's that's fair so even, yeah and then they're that again backs aren't exactly Whereas Najee Harris, like, I mean, physically, the guy looks like Adrian Peterson, and he look and yeah, so, anyway. Yeah, uh, no, I, I just, yeah, that's exactly, I mean, you make a great point, because then it just makes it more indefensible that at 20-whatever, you take him, 
when you already have two running backs in the building and your defense sucks. So, I don't know. Yeah. Well, unless right. anyone's got anything else, Jesse, you want to take us into... No. Rather? Uh, oh, well, I was going to say let's take it into Jim Moore, but I guess we're going to take us into Would You Rather? Thank you for uh, we're gonna have a short would you rather here because our discussion with Jim Moore was so uh, was so great. Okay. Would you rather in their prime, Albert Pujols, Mike Trout, or Ken Griffey Jr.? Nate is always I'll let you take the lead with baseball question. Um, I mean, I'm a hometown kid, so I'd, I'd probably take, I'd probably take Ken Griffey Jr. Just incredible. Um, Certainly the best defensive player of the three, and it's not even close. What's sad is I'd, I'd say Mike Trout just because, the, I mean, Pools and Griffey both age like a cheap vinegar. I mean, no, I said in their prime. I don't care oh, how they're age. Oh, we okay. don't care how they're Sorry, aging. I, you Gosh. I apologize. Um. In their prime, uh, we don't know how Mike Trout age. He could fall off a cliff at thirty-one. Also, <laughs> currently is on no pace to do that. But uh, neither were either of these guys. <laughs> I'll go. Um, I'll go with Pujols. I mean, I, I think Griffey's a much more exciting player. But in terms of like pure baseball talent, I give a slight edge to Pujols. Pujols was the best hitter of the. Th- Pujols was the best hitter of the three. Uh, he played the least valuable position of the three, but he was also easily the best hitter of the three. I don't think people realize how great a hitter Albert Pujols, Albert Pujols was. No, because he's played for half a generation with that terrible team, sort of from L.A. <laughs> from Anaheim. <laughs> um, I mean, he was the best hitter you ever saw. In Remember the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? They still are. Are they still? Yes. Oh my god! I didn't, Anaheim's its own city, so why are they yeah. the LA Angels of Anaheim? That doesn't yeah. make any fucking sense. No, it doesn't. Um, uh, you know, it's 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 weird. I I what made me think about this is because just how terribly Albert Pools is aged. Like he's aged worse than anyone I've ever seen in my entire life. And like at this point, you kind of have to bench him. Is that true, Felix? <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, he, he, he aged worse than Felix, I think. Maybe it was just because Albert Pools is a top 15 player of all time, and Felix was never that. Uh, very good player, but never a top 15 player of all time. I mean... Right. Well, what's Who would you question? pick, though, Jesse? More that. I don't know. I go back and forth. I, I think I like to take Griffey because of the value defensively in the outfield. Uh, depending on the stadium, but if I if I have a small outfield that doesn't need large coverage, I think I would go with Albert Pools. I mean, that guy hit in the postseason. He hit in the regular season. He hit. He hit. He hit. He also is one. He's won three MV. He won three MVPs. He didn't strike out. He never struck out. He always struck out like a seven percent rate, which Mike Trout could never even sniff. Uh, and he still he didn't walk tremendously. He walked at like a fifteen percent clip, but he was just an incredible player. And and it's just a shame that he's so bad now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Here, I wanna I wanna pull up his numbers, Albert Pujols' numbers, real quick, just from when he was in St. Louis, or because they were so astronomically incredible. Do 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 do. In 11 seasons in St. Louis, he batted 328 with a 420 on base percentage, a 617 slugging, so a 1037 OPS, an OPS plus of 170. Uh, he had 445 home runs across 10 seasons, so averaging like 40 home runs a season. Walked 200 times more than he struck out, and he had 1,400, 1,300 RBIs. I mean, he was just an incredible player, so. Now all he's doing is adding to his career record uh, that will never be broken by anybody of most career grounding into double plays. <laughs> all right, with that, it wraps our short Would You Rather segment, which Andy didn't pay any attention to. And now we will bring in Jim Moore. I'm excited, yeah. to, I'm excited to welcome him to us as we let Nate Hartman leave. Uh, <laughs> pay particular attention to the questions I ask because they're real barn burners. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. Thanks, everyone. And then uh, we will see you on the other end. We're joined here today by Jim Moore, for, uh, local reporter. And I don't know, Jim, Jim, are you, you're still with the Kitsap Sun, correct? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, it occurred to me I didn't know how to introduce you. Um, I was going to say formally of the, with, with the PI and now and, and with the Kitsap Sun as well. Um, anyway, one of, uh, one of Andy and I's, uh, we're getting off to a wild start here already. One of Andy and I's, uh, I don't know if we can say friends because we've never actually met. At, this is the first time that I'm at least meeting you in this digital sort of realm, but um uh, anyway, I know a, a local voice in Seattle sports that we're uh, really excited to have on that we've enjoyed following for a long time. And uh, welcome to the show, Jim. Thanks for having me, Jesse. And you're right. I do work at the Kitsap Sun. I'm also writing for uh, Coogfan.com occasionally. And uh, other than that, I'm not doing a whole lot. <laughs> I got laid off from uh, Cairo Radio, Radio back in November and I'm um, trying to figure out whether I'm jobless or retired or both. But I'm doing fine. I'm I'm happy to join you guys tonight. Got it. You know, we're uh, we're really excited to have you. And I don't know where we're going to touch on and stuff because Andy. Uh, Andy well, you didn't do any show prep for this. You're just winging well, it. Well, so I did. So I did, and I used to do a lot more prep for these. Except for then, I interviewed Jeff Garland, and Jeff Garland said I was too prepared. <laughs> and ever since oh. then, I've tried to balance my interviews of like the little bit of show, like enough prep, and then also sort of like going being a little bit more casual and especially you you know we've communicated over uh, email and stuff some uh some over email and then also um well it, it's jesse it's kind of funny because um when i worked at cairo for 10 years we had we exchanged emails with uh well danny o'neill at first and then dave wyman and jessamine mcintyre and then later on bob and dave were still with me and we had different producers but so we went back and forth with all these different things that we were going to talk about, what we were going to talk about. We had everything planned for segments. And the reason I bring that up is because a few weeks ago, I filled in as a co-host at KJR with Jason Puckett. And so I thought I would do the same thing. I wanted to be prepared. And I just said, hey, Jason, I sent him an email. I said, you know, you want me to send you an email with some topics that we could talk about tomorrow during the show? And he wrote me back and he said, no, we're just going to wing it. So, <laughs> All right, so I'm not the only one. <laughs> I, get, I get in there and I thought, well, okay. I mean, that's fine with me. I, I'll just follow where he's going. And so from 10 to one for three hours, every single segment, except for we interviewed John Canzano down at the Oregonian. So I knew we were going to be talking to him, but every other segment, when we came back from break, I had no idea what we were going to be talking about. I just followed where Puckett was going and uh, tried to just, you know, play off of him. So Wait. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try and be a good guest. So wherever you want to go, I'll just follow wherever you want. Even before we hit record, we were enjoying the conversations, I think. And, you, uh, you know, and I think that's one thing about this medium, at least podcasting is to me, the most successful podcasts are the ones where it's just kind of, it's enjoyable to listen to people having a good time talking and especially sports, you know, if you're listening to sports talk and people chatting about sports, you want to talk about, you won't be able to be having a good time. So we know that you're a, you're a big golfer and uh, I always see you out now. Uh, Cause you, again, you were mocking yourself for being uh, semi-retired. You're not sure, but you're, it seems like you're out of the golf course more. How's uh, how's, how's the swing? What's your handicap? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I am out at the golf course more. I was at high Cedars on Monday out in Harding, and then tomorrow I'll be down at Spanaway. And <laughs> it's kind of weird. I, I'm enjoying this, whatever period of life I'm in and it, you know, I might be done career wise. I'm not sure. I mean, I have a few little irons in the fire. Um, I did find out tonight that I might end up doing some freelance columns for the news tribune in Tacoma, uh, this coming fall. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to stay busy and stay in reasonable shape and not, I don't want to get in the habit of being that guy that is retired and then, even though it's a Monday night, you start cocktailing at four o'clock. I don't want to get in the habit of doing that. Um, I mean, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. But not Monday and Tuesday. Um, so it's, but it's been enjoyable for the most part. 
I mean, I wish I was still at the radio station doing what I was doing, but pandemic really affected our ad revenues. And um, we had a three person show. And so somebody had to go and I, I lost, I lost some tiebreakers. And, but yeah, it's kind of funny though. I was reading a book about transitions and all that. And you go through a bunch of different emotions and I think I'm okay where I am now. It maybe was a blessing in disguise actually. That's good. That's really nice to hear. So were you able then, uh, uh, have you, did you watch the masters? I did watch the masters. Yeah. I watched, um, every bit of it. Yeah. I, I love the masters. I'm one of those guys that I know some people think it's sappy and, you know, a tradition unlike any other and they hear the music and they're like, yeah, okay. Um, but I, I get goosebumps. I, I don't tear up, but I come close and I don't know why that is. Uh, I, I covered the Masters, let's see, when I worked at the newspaper at the Post-Intelligencer, I went there, I think, four times, and I feel really fortunate. That's one thing about being a sports writer for as long as I was, that you never get rich being a sports writer, but there were so many different events that I covered, and the Masters pretty much at the top of the list of things that I was able to do, and really enjoyed going there, and I got to play the course a couple times, too. How was that? What was that like? Oh, it was cool. They had a um, they had a media lottery where when I first went there, I think it was in the late 90s, you could only play once in your lifetime if you got drawn. And I happened to get drawn and and then you play and it's and then later on, they changed the rule to once every seven years. So when I went back seven years later, I ended up getting drawn again. And so I was able to play again. But the thing I really enjoyed about it was you got an idea of what the pros were facing on Sunday because they left the pins where the, the Sunday pin placements were on Monday when we played. Huh. And then, you know, I'm not that, hey, Jesse, I'm not that good a golfer. I'm really not. But <laughs> Probably I, better than I am. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I'll, I'll shoot 80s, 90s, something like that. But these guys that I, these, well, okay. Well, these media guys that I played with, I said to him, I go, look, I know we're not good enough to play the back tees, but let's play because they had us at the member tees. But I said, let's go back and play the back tees to get an idea of what the pros are really facing on a Sunday at the Masters. And um, I couldn't get anybody to go back there and join me. But I, I went back there anyway for, I think, 11 or 12 holes and uh, really got an idea of what what they were facing uh, on Sunday when they're trying to win the Masters. That's it. Sorry, Andy. Oh, I no, I, I, yeah, Jesse, I mean, Jesse, excuse, excuse me, Andy. Jesse, um, you appear to be distracted. I want full attention from you during this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Podcast. My new team is leaving for so, the last time. I thought I was going to I mean, go. You know what? My, my, my dogs right now are wrestling. I don't know if you can hear them, but I'm I not can. How is Rivers? Can you hear them? I'm not letting them distract what they're doing from focusing on you, Jesse. And you're looking all over the place. What the hell, man? Come on, I'm, I'm a I big say, deal. Even if there's not other people in the room, Jesse will find himself distracted. It's certainly a regular occurrence on our show. It's true. It's true. I can't, you know, it's kind of, uh, you could call me a little bit of ADHD. I got a little bit of ADHD as uh, I say that and people laugh. Andy has known me. Andy, how long have you known me for? Essentially since kindergarten. So like about almost 20 years now. Yeah. Almost 20 years. And uh, I mean, are you, you taking meds for that? <laughs> yes, I am. They're probably worn out at this point, though, at this hour of the day. Well, no, I'm, and I'm not making fun of you at all because my daughter has that, and we didn't discover that until she was in the eighth grade, and she really, really she really struggled in school until we figured out how to deal with that, and then she got great grades after that, ended up going to WSU, and now she's teaching second grade. But if we hadn't figured that out. And she was one of those where she had to go take tests in the other room where it was yeah, quieter, yeah. that type of thing. Yeah. Where like yeah. a pencil, a pencil tapping on the desk would, you know, bother her. Yeah, no, did, I was. Did that, bo did that bother you at all? <laughs> no, you're not too bad. It's not too bad. <laughs> um, I didn't know that. That's cool. You know, I was, I was lucky. My, uh, my mom, she, when she left her job in software engineering in the early 2000s, she had gotten, I think she realized early on that I had some learning disabilities, especially around reading and like concentrating with reading and stuff. Cause I'm also dyslexic. 
And she spent so many hours working with me on that stuff and things. So I, I, I got lucky that they were able to uh, catch me uh, early and stuff and work, work on my uh, squirreliness, as you could say. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. I, I just, I, I don't even know you, but I like giving you a hard time anyway. I, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> where were we? I think we were talking the masters, right? Yeah, yeah we were. We were talking about uh, um, when, where's Andy going to gonna ask what's well, Andy doing? Well, so I, uh, the issue is I prepared, so I don't know where to jump in when we just jump around in conversation <laughs> like this. So I'm not a big golfer, so I'm not going to ask you any master's questions. But I did. The one thing I did prepare is I read your column when you left the PI. And the one thing that struck out to me that I wanted to ask you about was caddying for Charles Barkley, because I can only imagine how fun of an afternoon that would be. Oh, well, that was, um, so let's see, I was at the PI for 26 years and that was probably if if I had to pick one day and one column that I wrote that I enjoyed more than any other, it was that day that I spent with Charles Barkley. And, um, you want me to tell you the story? Yeah. I mean, is he really go? It goes on for a while. Well, I, I he's an entertaining guy. I can understand Wait, can Jesse sit still for three minutes, do you think? <laughs> Not a chance. But... At the top of the hour, I should go check on my team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, because the Mariners are playing the Astros right now. Last I checked, they were ahead. Uh, okay, so I just got – there was a conference call with Barkley and another athlete, and they were playing down at the American Century Championship. It's a celebrity tournament in, in Lake Tahoe every year, every July. And I got on that conference call, and I just thought – you know, I'm going to give him the softball question about his charity. My first, you get two questions. And, and then my second question, I'm just going to ask him if I caddy for him during the pro-am portion of the tournament. And he said, yeah, sure. Look me up when you get here. So I thought, well, okay, cool. This is going to be fun. I'm going to caddy for Charles Barkley and write about it. Hopefully it'll be a good column. I get there and it's, I think it was a Tuesday night and I was going to caddy for him Wednesday morning, but I hadn't really made connections with him. And I figured, well, knowing Barkley, he's going to be at the casino gamble. So I went to one of the casinos, and sure enough, he was in the high roller room. And um, But I, I'm not a high roller. I've never been in the high roller room. I figured that if I walked in there, somebody would you know, know I was a fraud and go, you know, hey, no, 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 you're low rent. Get out of here. Um, but then somebody talked me in. I, I just had to do it, so I went in. And I went over to him, and I just said, hey, Charles, I'm the guy from Seattle that wants to gonna caddy for you tomorrow and he was really nice about it uh nice to meet you but the thing i'll never forget so he's playing blackjack and he's got he's playing two hands of blackjack and he's got three chips to his left and three chips to his right but the color of the chips were a color i had not seen before i I knew that reds were five dollars greens were 25 and blacks were 100 these chips he was playing with they were $5,000 chips. Oh my God. So he was playing, he was playing 15,000 a hand times two. Okay. So he had 30,000 out there in front of him. And the thing I won't forget is Jim Fossil, who I think was for Jim, I forget it was Jim something. He, he used to coach the Giants. He was there with his daughter. So Barkley's talking to them and he's, he's distracted like you, Jesse. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my God, the dealer, the dealer is having to ask him if he wants a hit. And Charles is taught, you know, looking over and talking to the coach and then finally had to had to come back. And anyway, it just struck me as odd that fifteen thousand dollars, I'd be laser focused on what my cards were and whether I was taking a hit or not. So anyway, we worked it out. I met him on the range the next morning. He hit shots next to Michael Jordan and he was mocking Jordan for using a golf device to try and help him with his swing. You know, he was like saying, Oh, the great Michael Jordan needs a damn device to help him with his golf game. And one of the other things I won't forget is that Barkley on the range, when the shots don't matter, he can actually hit decent shots. But when you're out on the course, when they do matter, it's a totally different deal. Now he's gotten a little better. He was in that exhibition with Steph Curry this year. And I forget who all else Mickelson and somebody else. Peyton Manning. Um, so he can hit. Who? Peyton Manning. Was that the Peyton Manning? Yeah, no, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Peyton so, Manning. But when, when I was caddying for him, he couldn't hit anything. He still had the, the huge hitch stopping in his swing. But it was really an enjoyable day. It um, 
he was so nice to me. I, I never knew what, what club to give him because it didn't matter what club I gave him for yardage or anything because he was just probably going to butcher it anyway. <laughs> um, but after it was over, and then I, I kept taking notes while we were going along, his interactions with fans and stuff. And then um, I just remember, I can still remember like it was yesterday. I remember leaving the course. I was on deadline. I had about an hour and a half to two hours before my deadline. I stopped at 7-Eleven or Circle K or one of those places. Anyway, I got a six pack of beer. I drove back to my hotel room, got a garbage can, filled it with ice, threw the beer in there, got my laptop out and just banged out the story as quickly as I could. And I still remember looking out at Lake Tahoe and hitting the send button and thinking, damn, Jim, you did it. That was a good story, man. Way to go. I was like patting myself on the back for that one. It was really a fun day. Um, that's not, that, sounds like a, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, there's another, there's another fun moment of yours that I remember listening to. Do you remember doing the interview? It was you and Aaron Rodgers, and he was talking about, uh, his commercials and a fly, uh, putting a fly on a string and stuff like that. Do you, do you remember that? I, I do remember that. That was down at the VMAC and it was, I went out there because I thought, and I didn't always go out. They used to, um, Every week they used to have the opposing coach and a star player from the other team during the season. Now, I think they just do the opposing coach now. They don't have a star player. But I saw on the schedule that Aaron Rodgers was going to be talking to Seattle media. And I thought, well, geez, Aaron Rodgers, you know, that's a pretty big deal. I'm going to go out for that. And so I get out there and there's all the other beat writers with me. And I, I was working at the radio station then. And then all of a sudden, Pete Carroll decided to have his meeting with the media and it conflicted with the Aaron Rodgers interview. So everyone in the conference room left and then Aaron Rodgers came on the phone and it was just me. And so I ended up having and I thought, where are these guys going? I mean, they can talk to Pete Carroll anytime. This is Aaron flipping Rodgers and you're leaving to go talk to Pete Carroll. I thought, well, OK, I'll just wing it with Rodgers here and ask him some offbeat questions. And. He couldn't have been nicer. So that's the thing. I know, you know, people, I don't know how you guys feel about Aaron Rodgers. Some people like him and I'm some people fan. don't. They I'm think he's a diva and all this stuff. I'm a I, I cut him slack all the time just because he was nice to me. I remember that interview and I remember on the radio cracking up at it. Cause I, I thought, I thought it was hilarious. And I also remember taking away. I thought it reminded me thinking Aaron Rodgers seems like a pretty, you know, he seems like a, reasonable guy you know it seems like a guy i would grab a beer with right or hit well i know he could have been yeah i mean he was really nice about you know the offbeat questions i asked and he i mean he could have been you know thinking i was a doofus or something and um but he played along and yeah i i love watching him play um i mean something else <laughs> yeah i mean he just, he just he just flicks the ball out there i mean he just got such a nice release so yeah that was that was interesting though that was <laughs> I, I, and it would, if, if all the beat writers had stayed there, I wouldn't have asked them offbeat questions. Um, but it, it worked out well for me that, that everybody left. Jesse, say something. Sorry, there was some noise on my end. So I was hoping say something, that Jesse. now they're closed. Andy, now something. my team is closing the door uh, because uh, they know I was well, still. Who doing gives it. a damn about that door? Come on. <laughs> focus um all right the other one the other the other story i remember it was um our your this one we actually texted over the uh the radio texted over the text toy about it was when it was when the whole you and richard sherman thing first happened and at the time i was valeting down at the weston in bellevue and the Westin is where all those guys like to hang out and you know they always say never meet your idols and that sort of stuff and some of those guys were just giant jerks to me. I parked their cars. They didn't tip me. They were rude, yada, yada. Okay, who, who were the biggest jerks? Well, Bobby Wagner was one of them, which is everyone is surprised by. He doesn't, he didn't tip anybody ever <laughs> and was just kind of smug. Um, James Carpenter, if you remember James Carpenter. Yeah, guard. Yeah, yeah. He was a real piece of work also. The, <laughs> nicest, the nicest I can say was Cam Chancellor by far. That guy was unbelievable. Every single time he came in, every time somebody recognized him, he spent hours taking photos with fans and stuff, even when he was clearly trying to not be. He tipped in hundreds. 
Um, he was, uh, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he was just the nicest guy. And Marshawn was also Marshawn came in a lot also, and was also a nice guy. Um, but I remember texting you about it. And, uh, I remember that, um, discussing Richard Sherman a little bit. If Richard Sherman came back to the Seahawks, what would your, what would your reaction be? <laughs> oh, I'd be fine with it. Um, but yeah. you know, cause he's, He's the kind of guy that, uh, you know, if you're in the media, um, you want more people like that. Um, because anytime you write about Richard Sherman or you talk about Sherman, uh, the ratings go up, the page views go up. Richard always has something to say about, you know, anything. The only thing that I, um, and yeah, we, we did have that, that one day where things didn't go very well. Um, and mainly the reason it didn't go well from my point of view anyway, was that Pete Carroll had told us that Richard Sherman basically, I mean, I'm, I'm probably putting too many words into Pete's mouth here, but it sounded like when Sherman was upset about the play calls in that Thursday night game that uh, they, he apologized for his actions and he knew that he was wrong. He was contrite about it. And yet when he came out, when Sherman came out to talk to the media, he didn't, sound apologetic or anything so i was trying to figure out you know what has happened um but no i mean if he came back i think it'd be fun and uh, you know i think people turned on him there for a while but i i think people would embrace him if he came back i don't know how much he has left at 33 and i don't know the seahawks probably don't want to pay him what he thinks he should be getting but they do need some cornerback help um and I mean, a lot of people are talking about them going for a cornerback in the draft and maybe Sherman's still on the radar. I'm, I'm not sure if he is or not, but I mean, for all of us in the media and stuff, he's, he, he's fun. He certainly is fun. Uh, and I, so I wanted to actually ask you about the draft. Have you been sort of keeping up with the Seahawks and where they're sort of what their draft plans are at all or. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm still listening to sports radio. Um, and, and so, yeah, I'm trying to keep up on what's going on and uh, just cause I'm interested in it. It's, it's been, I mean, when it's your, so much of your life for so long with keeping up with things, it, it's not like, Oh, I'm done with sports. I'm not gonna, cause I was always a sports fan before I got into the media part of it. But as far as what they're going to do, no idea. I mean, we all think, I, I mean, you guys probably think too, that Schneider will probably trade down, or I heard today that maybe he'll trade some picks from next year for picks this year my so that's a possibility yeah to me it seems like they're just punting on it just punting on the on the draft um that's could I mean, be yeah it could be because they well schneider even said today that they consider jamal adams their first round pick and because i mean they traded what two or three first round two two first round picks to get him yeah two so um, yeah Nate, uh, although we realize you haven't been here for uh, why don't you uh, touch on it? Uh, was there anything you wanted to ask, uh, Jim? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you guys handled everything and then some, honestly, by, by everything I, I can guess at from knowing you two. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't know what you guys talked about, so I don't want to like double down on anything. You, but Nate, I've, I've only heard. Nate, I've only heard you for 30 seconds and you're already better than these other people. <laughs> I'm actually not surprised to hear that. Um, I don't know. Did you guys touch on basketball at all? We did not at all. I mean, a little uh, bit, but not definitely not current basketball. Well, yeah, I was just interested. I was interested in just Jim's thoughts on Seattle area basketball. And, and I know he had some strong thoughts about that Nathan Hale team a few years ago, but um, a lot of places call Seattle the Mecca of basketball um, in terms of young, young talent. Uh, I, I'm not kidding. It's actually it's actually been recently kind of put out there by quite a few outlets that Seattle is the mecca of basketball. Um, so I was just curious what you thought what your thought was on that. If you follow it at all uh, closely or anything like that, I don't know about you know who the top recruits are you know this year or anything like that. I mean, my kids are playing basketball at Issaquah High School, and I can tell you they're not going to be going on to play college basketball. But yeah, <laughs> oh, I did see that half court like, shot though. That was impressive. He did. Yeah, my kid made a half. It was like. <laughs> Beyond half court. Did you guys see that, Jesse? Uh, was this on Twitter? Did you post it? Yeah. See, Jesse, this is why I do research. I well, 
My Twitter. Yeah, you know when you when you usually when you interview someone, you know, you go to their Twitter profile and you can maybe find some questions that you could ask them. And congrats like on your son hitting a grand slam. Yeah, he's a great yeah, sports week. Yeah. No, but but would you Nate, follow us, please? Um, <laughs> what's that? Can you give us a follow? None of our guests ever follow us. <laughs> That's not true. Dave Sims you know and Stacy Rost follow us. All right. Did they? Two of our five. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, he's Nate, like, I'll consider it. He's talking about basketball in Seattle. No, Seattle's yeah. always been a hotbed for. I mean, look at That's all what the, I'm saying. the players that have come, all the players that have come out of here, and so I'm hoping, like everybody else. I mean, when I was a kid, I I grew up with the Sonics, and I think yeah. I was ten when they came to town, something like that. And I was so excited. The NBA was in Seattle, and it was just a shame. Like everybody else knows, it was a. a a joke that they left Seattle. Um, but Climate Pledge Arena is going to be ready for hockey this fall. Yeah. And they're talking about bringing the NBA in. I think we're probably, I'm guessing, but two to three years away from the NBA coming back. And I've yeah. already thought about what that's going to be like. Um, it's going to be emotional, that first game when yeah. they come back. I really, and I'm not an NBA fan anymore. Uh, I watch games occasionally when my kids are watching them. Um, and I, I enjoyed the playoffs in the bubble last year. So I think I'll be getting into the playoffs this year. And I love the TNT post game show. I'd yeah. almost rather watch that than, than some of the games with Charles and Kenny and, and Shaq. Um, but yeah, I can't wait for the Sonics to come back. Cause I know how happy a lot of people are going to be, including my kids and, yeah, I feel like kids here got ripped off not having the Sonics during their childhood. Yeah, that's, that's something that I definitely I, I wonder if if COVID will play uh, and, and all the money they lost will play a factor in pushing them to bring a team here quicker. Um, that's what I've kind of heard. I, I know I heard an interview with the Minnesota owner who just recently sold to, I think, Alex Rodriguez's group. But he was saying that it's nearly inevitable now because of COVID and, and the money situation. So hopefully sooner rather than later. And I think, I think you make a good point. I think it's easy to get disconnected um, from the basketball scene. If you're just kind of a, a regular, a casual sports fan across the country or even in Seattle, when you don't have a professional team to latch onto um, you, it's easy to get disconnected. So I definitely feel that it's, it's a terrible, terrible, uh, crime not to have a team here and i hope we do soon so yeah well they're number one i think everybody i mean whenever you hear people talking about seattle it's like and you know players who played here back in the day when they were here yeah. i mean seattle was one of their favorite places to go to on the road and yeah uh you know the fans were always so great there at key arena and then there was one year you know, again, before you guys were born, but um, I, I still think about it when I drive by the Tacoma Dome. There was one year in 1994 when uh, the 94, 95 or 93, 94 season, uh, one of those two, while Key Arena was being renovated, I think it was 93, 94. Um, they played the full season down there in Tacoma Dome. Um, and so that was that was interesting. But yeah, it's, I mean, 40 plus years of having the NBA here in Seattle. And I, I can't believe that it's been, what now, 13 years without them. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. That's My goodness. Yeah, yeah it was 2008. Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching, I was over in Chelan and my parents were down at the pool and I was like sobbing in the hotel room um, when they announced it. That was a rough moment for me when I was eight or whatever. <laughs> well, you know, point, and the maybe. thing is, is that when they had the, um, the court proceedings, trying to um, sort through everything. I, I, I truly believe that the judge was going to side with the Sonics um, on, and I think they would have gotten another year here in town. Mm. And I think if they'd gotten another year, that they would have found the backing from Steve Ballmer or someone. They would have had more time to yeah. put a group in place that would have kept, kept the team here in Seattle. But we'll never know what the judge's decision was going to be. Yeah, that's crazy. Thank you, yeah. Thank you uh, to the mayor, right? Who was was that? Nichols. Nichols is the mayor at the time. Yeah, or? Greg Nichols. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was not good at all. That was terrible. And then everybody, I mean, I I love that OKC is not good anymore. I mean, they're <laughs> there for a while. There for a while, it looked like they might win an NBA championship. They had the horses yeah. to do it, and then 
the first mistake they made was um oh my god why am i drawing a blank they, they traded perfect. somebody to houston did they trade harden to, yeah they, yeah they picked the hard harden to houston yeah and some of the guys they got in return for him was yeah not good yeah they they, they tore they themselves apart up. from the inside for sure <laughs> Yeah, yeah no, the I mean, most those personalities were not gonna those personalities were not gonna work for with Russell with Russell Westbrook, Katie, and James Harden. They were not gonna work for much longer. But um, yeah, they yeah. tore themselves apart. Can you imagine? The what, can you imagine though what it would be like if the when the Sonics returned, if they were to play OKC in the Western Conference Finals? <laughs> yeah, I cannot. That would that's, really be something. that's goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that would really be something. Yeah, Clay Bennett would be a wanted man. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, OKC doesn't look like they're anywhere near. It looks like the Sonics without a team are probably closer than they are at this point to, to get yeah, anywhere. They yeah. are not good, but um, anyway, um, that's really all I had. I'm sure you guys got into all types of fun stuff well, while I was gone. Well, but well, Nate, I have questions for you. Please. Where were you, where were you earlier that were, was so important that you had to mess <laughs> So I am currently uh, studying for the West E in history, which is the Washington State teacher's exam that I have to take, as well as a midterm in the history of St. Petersburg, Russia. And I am swamped with both of those things, unfortunately. Um, so that was more important than doing this podcast. Unfortunately, I had to, <laughs> I had to put that just a little bit above this podcast. You even missed Jim's long monologue about the history of St. Petersburg. You, it would have gone the same thing. <laughs> yeah. God. I had it all. Yeah. I oh, I blew it. I blew it. Yeah. When it was my fault for, I was, it was, yeah, I want to be a history, high school history teacher. Good for you, man. Yeah. I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Now, where are you? Are you you with Andy, or where are you? No, I'm in Seattle, so I go to Utah Bothell, actually. Um, okay. Yeah, so I'm the only one in Seattle currently doing a podcast about Seattle sports. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. And I got you. Guys I guess I, it was... I, think, I think I think you're doing a good job, all of you. I mean, I, I think it's great that you're, you know, doing this, and I bet you're having fun doing it. I'm just I'm just happy that you still think that after spending over an hour with Jesse and Andy. Honestly, well, he's got to be polite. I mean, it's been an hour and a half. <laughs> Who? The, I mean, come on. Who's going to listen to all hour and a half of this? <laughs> Me, because I missed the whole thing. I mean, <laughs> well, wait a minute. I guess people listen for three hours when I was doing this show. Once <laughs> <a minute. laughs> yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Got anything oh. else? Nate, you missed him uh, getting drunk on the show too. You missed Jesse drinking. <laughs> oh boy, I'm glad we put well, our best foot forward I mean, for you. Like, it's usually I'm cooking dinner, is because oh, like God. I have the news meeting and then I have to cook dinner. Like if I forgot like a frozen meal or something, because usually I try to have a frozen meal on Wednesdays. No, you usually don't. you try. <laughs> you don't try. You try to have a frozen liar. Okay. I made. Were you more professional with Dave Sims when he was on? substantially <laughs> probably yeah honestly <laughs> most definitely absolutely except for jesse was in his car so i don't know if dave liked that too much i think J- dave, dave was not a, a fan shout out at the end i know but at the beginning at the beginning dave was like you're doing this for your car from your car come on man like he did not seem happy about it at first until oh, no. <laughs> oh, dave, dave gave me a shout out about professionalism and great questions as did yeah. i think Every single other, other one of our guests. Jim, don't get him started. Jesse will talk your ass about how great he is to our guests. <laughs> well, he hasn't asked me a great question yet. That's what I thought. Finally, someone's <laughs> honest with him. <laughs> that line is going in our intro. I'm just <laughs> letting you know now, Jesse. <laughs> oh, oh, well, I'm, I'm sad I missed out on, on this <laughs> apparently wonderful experience. I can only imagine. Oh, you, you. You can go back and check it out, probably. I can't wait, oh. yeah. Hey, thanks, you guys. Yeah, no, thank yeah, you so much thanks for coming, coming on, on, Jim. Thank you for yeah. being so generous with your time, and uh, yeah. hopefully we can follow him on, on Twitter. Follow him on yeah. Twitter. You know, yeah, yeah follow me to. on Twitter, man. And, uh, my, 15 minutes, my 15 minutes was great. That's all I got to say. Cougs. Stunning review. I will I will give you a go Cougs. I'm not a big Pac-12 Ooh. guy, but the Cougs yeah. are easily the team I root for in the Pac-12. <laughs> so thanks, go Jesse. Cougs. Appreciate that. Ha, 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 ha.
Jesse suck up anymore to Jim Moore? Question. <laughs> a lot to him. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Anytime you guys need me for two hours down the road. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, Jim, thank you so much uh, from for Jesse and Andy and myself. We we really appreciate it. Oh no problem. I had fun, you guys. Take care. Good luck to you. All right. Have a good one. All right. See you. And a final thank you to Jim Moore for joining us. It was great having him on and hopefully we can have him on again uh, another time. And just to wrap the show, as always, we got final thoughts. Nate, do you want to start us off? Sure. Give me 60 seconds. Let's rock and roll. Um, In exciting news that actually just came through today, the Seattle Kraken are officially a part of the NHL. I think they finished um, their final paperwork and payment, and they are officially part of the NHL, which is awesome. Excited for them to get here. Excited to see what Climate Change Arena turns out like. Um, In other news, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., Seattle prospect uh, out of Rainier Beach, uh, is the fourth youngest player of all time to score 50 points in a game. Um, he dropped 50, 11, and four last night for the Rockets. Um, I wish nothing but the best for the kid. I think he, he was in a dark place for a while. Um, and I hope he can come out of it and, and be successful. I'm a big fan of his. Um, Jim Moore doesn't follow us on Twitter yet. Uh, <laughs> he said he would consider it. Uh, I don't think he has even thought about it once. Um, <laughs> That's disappointing. Um, you guys clearly made a, a great impression on him. Uh, and I hope the Seahawks don't do anything dumb today in the draft. That's all I got. Jesse? Yeah, yeah Jesse, you want to go next? Oh, wait. Hold on. Can I add one more thing? Mac Jones did not look good in that suit last night. It fit him well. What do you mean? It did not. Do you see the video of him walking? Yeah, he was walking fast. That's it, if it, you... it, it looked like it added like 30 pounds to him. That is not you, a good look. What are you talking about? What am I talking about? It fit about? him perfectly fine. Video. No, it did not. Yes, it did. Oh oh Jesse, I'm going to start your 60 seconds if you would like to use it to discuss. I'm going uh, to, yeah. <laughs> Go. All right, well, I would like to discuss uh, suits. So first off, let me explain how a suit should fit you. You should see no wrinkles on it. It should have about a quarter inch of cuff showing. The tie should go exactly to the top or maybe a little bit below your belt buckle. You should always be wearing a button-down shirt underneath it unless you are a very of a very particular build. Then you can pull off a some sort of turtle collar neck thing. I think the fashion trend of uh, pants being four inches too short above your ankles looks ridiculous. It's terrible. And it only works for hipsters in South Lake City if you're going to... I mean, this he's just walking funny. I don't know what else to say. It has nothing to do with his suit. He's just a weird... He's just walking, like, oddly and quickly. So, uh... Yeah, that's what I have to tell you. It's really, I don't know how the president didn't figure out how to do it, but it's really not that hard to find a good looking suit or a well fit suit. It costs some money, but it's worth it because other words, you look like a fucking moron. Like Robert Kraft does? Yes, like Robert Kraft. <laughs> All right, so I will be doing the exact opposite of that for my wedding. Go ahead, Andy. <laughs> All right, so mine is about an obscure relief pitcher. <laughs> Wait, did you start the clock or am I just... Uh, clock has started now. All right. Um, Tim Hill of the uh, San Diego Padres. He, um, when he was in high school, his dad died of colon cancer. I did steal this from another podcast, but I thought it was so great, <laughs> so I wanted to share it. Um, dad died of colon cancer, quit playing high school, or quit playing baseball in high school. He ended up working at a factory. He was throwing tape around a factory one day. Apparently was slinging it because someone told him to go try out for their adult men's league team. Pitched really well. Ended up someone from, uh, I think it's pronounced Bacon College. Don't know. Never heard of it. Um, so I went to go play there. Uh, he ended up being a 32nd round draft pick. Um, made, his all, made his way all the way up to the majors, which most 32nd round draft picks don't even get a contract. And uh, last weekend, he threw one and two thirds um, scoreless against the Dodgers. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Hell of a ride for Tim Hill. Wow, that's awesome. Damn. Was that my six seconds or do I have more? Uh, you have eight seconds. Oh, um, Rashad, Talk about uh, Najee Harris. 
I'm going to use my last eight seconds. Rashawn Slater, worst suit of the night. It was awful. It looked like uh, drapes. <laughs> That's your minute. Oh, boy. Nate, if, if your pants don't go to your ankles, I'm just not going to attend your wedding. Okay. That sounds like a challenge. Um, one more thing. Is it weird how much Roger Goodell enjoys being hated? It feels like. like I respect it. And he's like, they boo him, and he's like, yeah, bring it on. And then he puts his stupid chair out there that he sat in so people would boo him from there. No, I got to say, I appreciate it. As somebody who thrives off being hated, uh, as FDR said, uh, judge me not by my friends but by those who hate me. Judge me by the enemies I have made. Um, I don't know. I love being hated by frat people. Every time they post oh, something about how they're going to attack me, I, I enjoy yeah. it. So, I don't know. I get yeah, it. Yours is – I think yours is – yours is – yeah. Okay, you have an interesting like uh, point of view on that, and I respect it. All right. <laughs> um, can I do one? Can I do one more final thought? Najee Harris was homeless growing up, yeah. notably in the Seattle area. He held his draft day at the homeless shelter where he grew up, or where he lived for a time. I think that's incredible. He wow. he is an incredible. Seems like an incredible young guy or young man. He's a couple of years younger than us. He I am. If there is a guy that I'm going to root for as success for in this draft, um, not just because he's from Alabama, because of that story, um, I'm yeah. rooting for him. That's almost to the NFL. Good for him. Yeah. Him and guys like Jimmy Butler are really really special. Yes, um, I think. Um, so always rooting for those guys. All right. All right. That'll do. This was a heck of a day, guys. Always. <laughs> All right, Andy. I call got, it. I got nothing else. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll hope you tune in again next week. Bye, Jake. Bye.